In this week's episode, Equality Institute Associate Facilitator Erica Latines and I will chat about four-day work weeks, remote work policies, accessible technology, and much more. Hey there, my name is Bernadette Smith. Welcome to Five Things in 15 Minutes, my weekly show where I bring good vibes to DEI. That is good vibes to diversity, equity, and inclusion with a little dash of corporate social responsibility. What I've found is that there are lots of news stories about what's going wrong in the world and lots of negative data, but there are also a lot of things going right. That's what I like to focus on. I search for DEI stories that we can be inspired by and learn from. My hope is to inspire you to experiment with some of these inclusive actions and policies within your own organization to help you build a more inclusive world. Let's get started. Erica, will you please introduce yourself? And by the way, did I mispronounce your name? You did great. Okay. Erica Latinas. That's All right. me. Thank you for for asking. And I um, I always introduce myself as Erica with a K. It makes it easier for people to remember my name, how to spell it, and it just highlights how important names can be, and especially in this work that we do. So Erica with a K is me. My pronouns are she, her, ella, which is the Spanish version of she, her. So I always like to throw that in there. And I'm a poet. I'm a humanitarian. I'm a perpetual learner, a consultant, a facilitator workshop developer, you name it, I do it. And overall, I'm just a, a human being on this rock floating through space, learning with everybody and just trying to do do better every day. You know what? If that's all we can do is to just do better every day, it's a, that's what we strive for. I think that we'll all be in a better place overall. Thank you for that introduction. And I, I will tell you, I'm really excited that you are a new member of our team. I'm really excited about what you can offer our clients and how we can continue to serve our clients in new and interesting ways, thanks to the contributions of what you have to offer. So let's get started with these uh, five things today. So, so first of all, you know, I mentioned this in a little bit in the, in the beginning of the last episode, but there was a, you know, I, I didn't tell the full story or I didn't know the full story when I wrote about Shopify's layoffs a few weeks ago. Now, the CEO, I had written a nice post about how the CEO of Shopify was actually kind and humble when he was handling layoffs. And a reader shared that, you know, that may be true. And yet he still made $20 million and cashed out more than $623 million in equity. So, you know, there's lots of gray areas, right? And so, Erica, I wanted to have a chat with you about some of these gray areas and some of the trade-offs that organizations have to make. I mean, we see that some employees are getting, a lot of employees are getting salary bumps and bonuses as a potential antidote to high resignation. Is that still good news? Like where, what What are some, let's chat about the, these sort of trade-offs and some of the challenges that companies are facing to maintain retention and maintain their ability to be an attractive place to work and still, you know, have to make the business decisions that can be challenging and complicated, especially when we are potentially facing a recession. That was a big question. So I'll let you run with that. Big question, uh, but with a big answer, but it's, it's, it's good to dig into that. And I, what I see happening now is the landscape 
is shifting, uh, in, not in, in, in micro ways, but in macro ways. And I think that's actually a really good thing. It's going to mean a period of discomfort, uncertainty, recession happening, but it's also really important because until we can shake things up at the core of the systems that we have, we can't really see those changes that will be sustained and make real impact in the long run. So I think that rather than see this as a negative or as chaos or a bad thing, I would invite opportunity organizations to see this as an opportunity to be on that fulcrum, to be on that cusp, to be the one saying, you know what? let's break the rules. This is going to hurt. It's going to be painful. But if history has taught us something is that when you take those risks and when you're on that forefront of that, then it pays off. So do you know, I would, I'd rather be on that front end, that first group to jump in because yeah, that learning curve is steep, but the reward is great because it's not performative. It's real. You're diving in and it's okay to say, Hey, we're going to make some mistakes along the way. We don't know what we're doing, but we want to do better. Help us. And I, I think when you extend that, and that's a great way to build a bridge, is to say, we're not sure what we're doing, but we know we haven't been doing it the best way possible. Let's learn together. Let's see this as an invitation more than a tragedy. Right. I mean, I think that that, sh that statement in and of itself would sort of show humility, right? And I think leaders who are willing to show humility and more willing to invite feedback and invite engagement, whether it's a small organization or a large one, whether it's the CEO or an individual manager, but I think leaders who really um, open themselves up to those types of conversations are the ones who are going to see better results from the team. They're going to be the ones that create better psychological safety, have employees with a greater sense of purpose, and all the rest, all the benefits that come from that. A hundred percent. Is it easy? No, I have an ego. Sure. Mm -hmm. It's hard for me to hear that, you know, this beautiful strategy that I came up with to make you successful as an employee, you don't like it. Yeah, that's hard to hear. But active listening is the new superpower of leaders moving forward. And if someone can not just be a good active listener, but also dive into action with that, that to me is the sweet spot. That's the magic. So um, yeah, you're hundred percent correct. Yeah. I think just to, to sort of wrap this up, I do think that we are seeing a lot of hard decisions that have to be made. And mm -hmm. what I would love to be the outcome is leaders who are saying, okay, kind of like doctors, how can I do the least amount of harm, right, in this scenario? And my friend Jess Pettit, who's a speaker, has sort of her, her call to action from a lot of her keynotes is a line I just want to share, which is do the best you can with what you have some of the time. And that sort of goes along with what you said earlier is just to strive to be a little bit better every day. You know, do the best you can with what you have some of the time, you know, and uh, that's, that's, I guess, the, the minimum, the challenge. Yeah, I say that all the time. I say, do the best you can with who you are in the moment, what you know, and what you have. That's all you can do. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's move on to this week's good vibes. Okay. So the first good vibe is about this long, six-month-long UK trial of a four-day work week. So this is 3,500 employees 
in 70 companies in the UK are experimenting with a four-day work week. And it's going pretty well. Once employees get the hang of sort of having, having to have one less day to get the work done, things are working out pretty well. So employees are paid for five days, but they're only expected to work for. So they're having an increase in productivity and it seems to be a successful experiment that I think is going to be really an important uh, evolution to the future of work. I, I love this story because this, this actually talks really well about what we were just talking about when they first started it. The CEO was talking about how those first two weeks were chaotic while they were trying to figure all of this stuff out. But once they got through that tension and that discomfort, their employees are loving it and productivity hasn't dropped. And the organization is like, our ROI is just as good, if not better. So I think there's the lesson is that I like to say that magic is on the other side of tension. And um, if, if you can work through that tension and get to the other side of it, through it, that's that's where the sweet spot's going to be. So I, I think five-day work weeks are something from like the industrial revolution era. <laughs> I'm like, yes, please, let's change things up. Absolutely. Because, um, you know, obviously it's something that Gen Z is really valuing is flexibility. But I think that we know a lot of folks because of a variety of reasons, childcare or caregiving responsibilities, physical disabilities, or whatever the case may be, where five-day work weeks are like, you're right. <laughs> they are archaic. So um, I think it's a really wonderful evolution. One of the things that popped out when you just said that is that one of the people I read about in this study is uh, Lisa Gilbert. She, it, this has been life-changing for her, she said, because she does take care of her son and her two elderly parents. So having that extra time to be able to be caretaker for them, but also take care of herself, she said, has just changed everything for her. So it makes employees more loyal, more productive, happier, mental health, all of it. It's a win-win for everybody. So I think this is a great example of what can happen when we aren't afraid to rewrite the rules that have been written for so long and clearly can be done better. Absolutely. Well, this next story is on a similar vein, which is about Spotify, which actually changed its policy during the pandemic and allowed all of its employees to work from anywhere. And as a result of that policy, attrition has decreased by 50 from pre-pandemic levels and the employee numbers of black and Latina employees has gone up significantly as have the percentage of women in leadership. So Spotify is a case study of not a four day work week, but again, flexible work schedules working from wherever and they're seeing the results, especially when other companies are challenging or having challenges with increasing diversity and, and having employee retention. Spotify is winning. And I like Spotify uh, for so many reasons, right? They, they, they make, they bring music to my ears. Uh, and, and this, you know, metaphorically and literally is music to my ears because BIPOC populations, because of being historically oppressed and so many different challenges that they face, as well as people that are disabled, have challenges accessing certain spaces or just being able to do certain things. And when you can remove some of those barriers, you meet people where they're at, you get to, again, see them shine. So why not do that? And Spotify is like, yeah, why are we making this so difficult? You know, like, why do people have to come into the office? Yay, Spotify. I want to see more of this. Um, and why not? Go ahead. 
No, I think it's great. I completely agree. And we have to celebrate the wins, right? That's what this show is all about is celebrating those wins like Spotify's wins and, and really helping other organizations see the way to build off of that. Okay. So next up is another successful story from a company called Blank Street Coffee, which I haven't heard of, but it's a chain with 40 coffee shops in the US and England. And part of its recruitment pitch is career growth. In fact, there's a, a barista in Brooklyn, who now is uh, in customer service and works on the app of the company, just because that's something that she expressed interest in uh, when she started working. Uh, another another employee now is on a TV show because of something they had expressed interest in as part of um, joining the company, the coffee shop. You know, so I think it's really cool to see companies investing in their employees and helping them feel fulfill their potential, even if it happens to be outside the company. This is a great company. Um, I hadn't heard of it either until I saw the newsletter, Bernadette, and I looked them up and wow, I, I love the name, Blank. To mm -hmm. me, it implies the fact that they're like, we're just going to start from blank. We're just going to make things up as we go along and see what works. And they, they weren't afraid to do that. And the fact that their employees are making to start $23 an hour guaranteed plus benefits, amazing. They're being environmentally responsible. They're taking care of their people and they're, they're, they're listening. They're lifting up those talents and those other things that their, their employees can do and celebrating that. So this to me is a great example of what we're talking about, disrupting the system and figuring out a new way to run your business. Because if you're scared that it's not going to work, this is a perfect example of it can be done. It is being done and it is successful. Uh, so let's take the risk. And we're talking about it. Others are talking about it. Like this, <laughs> this stuff, the, the buzz matters, even when there's no caffeine involved. Okay. So next up is about a, a bunch of companies who signed on to an amicus brief before the U.S. Supreme Court uh, in favor of affirmative action. So companies like Google, GE, Apple, Starbucks have signed on to the brief with a, a statement that says racial and ethnic diversity enhances business performance. Research and experience demonstrate that racial diversity improves decision making by increasing creativity, communication and accuracy within teams. So the Supreme Court is ruling on affirmative action. And I love that companies are saying, hey, diversity matters and it needs to start at the college level. I think it needs to start before that. But, you know, I think that it's really cool what that these companies are saying, you know what, this matters when we're taking a public stand. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Diversity is not just about hiring people. More importantly, diversity and and equity is first off about being intentional and building and creating the space and the systems that will support that diversity and that equity, which is, for me, that is where the thought process needs to be. So yes, absolutely. If you want to have diversity and equity, you got to build the systems and you have to build the processes that are going to support those people. For example, me being one of them, you know, if, if I want to feel welcome into a space, um, and I love gummy bears. Let's just say, you know, you want more more diversity. People that love gummy bears in your organization. Well, first you have to create a culture where it's okay to eat gummy bears, right? Um, sure. So it's, I know that simplifies it, but it it really can be that simple. It's about just changing that up. So yay for the affirmative action. Absolutely. Let's hope that the Supreme Court is swayed by the opinions of these companies. 
Okay. And our last story today, speaking of systemic change and structural change and sort of building in the equity, Microsoft, which is actually a really great company when it comes to DEI initiatives, they have a really proactive approach to accessibility, which I absolutely love. The first thing that I think is important to note is that every employee, even those who do not have any disabilities, still attend an accessibility training on benefits and accommodations as part of their onboarding. Because a lot of people don't disclose that they have disabilities, right? And so the fact that this is part of the process, regardless of how you've identified up to date, I think is really important because it sends a signal to those employees, hey, regardless of what disability you have or you don't have, we are here to take care of you and make sure you can do their best, your best work. Beyond that, they have hackathons led by people with disabilities, 22 different disability communities, et cetera. And as a result of this, they have double the national average of employees with disabilities. Mm. Pretty great. Again, this is a great example of showing what I was just talking about is creating the space and the environment for that diversity and that equity to thrive. And that's really what they're they're doing here and they're they're showing how how it's done, how it's possible. And I love what you said that everyone is part of this. It's just they're onboarding because that also gives everyone a base knowledge and it gives everyone that common vernacular. It gives everyone that awareness that yeah, this is just the norm. We all learn about this and we can talk about it. And it's like, oh, hey, did you take advantage of this? Oh, no, I didn't. I forgot about that in my onboarding. Yeah, you should. You have access to that. So it's just a great way to also where peers could provide support to each other without even realizing it. That's a really excellent point. I love that because you're right. It does start that it builds that common language earlier and it'll give space for folks to be allies to each other. And I love opportunities for folks to be allies to each other. So thank you so much for joining me today, Erica with a K. For those of you watching or listening, thank you for tuning in. And we will, I'm next week, I'm actually on vacation. The kids and I, uh, my, actually my brother and my niece and nephew and my son and I are all taking a family vacation together for the first time ever. So wish us luck. Should be a great week. But I will catch you here in two weeks. Thank you so much for joining and hope you have a great week. Take care. Bye, Erica. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thank you for listening to 5 Things in 15 Minutes. I hope you found yourself inspired by at least one of this week's stories. If you did, would you mind sharing it with a colleague and leaving us a review on your favorite podcasting platform? And if you don't already get my 5 Things newsletter, join at 5thingsdei.com. I'm Bernadette Smith, and I'll see you next week right here for five things in 15 minutes, bringing good vibes to DEI.